Amen. Well, we're talking about radical giving. And even before I get started this afternoon, I'm going to say a couple of things. One, if you are not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you. If you are a guest, um, you can take this in. You can go home and, and digest it. It could help you. But this message mainly this afternoon is for Christians. Christians. Because I think there's an error in our life that God wants to be able to expand because in the giving that we do, there can be a breakthrough, there can be freedom, there can be redemption. But like you, I've, come, I, I've gone to churches that every time uh, there, there has been an offering, sometimes I'm just so ticked off that I take my money and put it back in my pocket. Because far too many Christians and too, far too many pastors manipulate people when it comes to giving. And so some people are just fed up with it. They got, they're so fed up with it that they're now disobeying God because of a human being. And so this morning we're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about Old Testament giving and we're going to talk about New Testament giving. Because Old Testament giving and New Testament giving are two different things. In the Old Testament they gave, but there wasn't much about the heart. In the New Testament we ought to be giving, but how we give is vitally important. Five years ago, I think five or six years ago, I met a lady that came to the church. I met her in the 201 class, and we were talking about tithing in 201. And, and she said, Pastor, I went to a church for 10 years. I was so angry every time I went to church and so resentful that every time we got around to giving, I've just felt manipulated. I felt uh, 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 the pastor was pushing me. I, I felt that I just felt so angry. And I said to her, first of all, girl, why were you in the church for 10 years if you're so angry? And she said, well, because grandma went to church there. I said, grandma don't care where you go to church. Grandma's dead. She's in heaven. She's not even thinking about you. If she's in hell, maybe she'd be thinking about you. But she's in heaven, she's not thinking about you. And so she would, she would get so angry because in the church she went to, they would pass the plate around five times. You know why? Because they hope for, they're hoping that by the time the plate gets around five times, you'll feel guilty enough to put something in it. And so I said to her, so what did you do? She said, Pastor, I will take my tithe and I will divide it into five. I said, smart girl, way to go. If they act fleshy, you act fleshy. And that's how she got through her stuff. But let me tell you something, and this morning we're gonna get liberated in this area because I think the final breakthrough in some of our lives will come in the area of giving. And because people have messed you up, you've stopped. And in that giving, God wants to be able to break through. He wants to be able to deliver you, set you free, so that from, from this day forward, you are never again manipulated. Never again manipulated. I learned these principles when I was a little whippersnapper. A little pump king. Not pump king. Pump. Uh, not pump. You know what I mean. Small. Small. And when I learned these principles at an early age back home in Africa, it, it, it liberated me from, so that from now on, nobody has to tell me what to do when it comes to giving. No one can convince me not, and no one can convince me to. I've already learned it. And here's the other thing. I've already put it into practice, and I've seen the benefits of doing it God's way. 
And so this morning, this afternoon, I just want to share with you what I've learned. After I've taught you this lesson, you go do whatever you want. All my place is, is to teach you it. You go prove God. And if he's wrong, he'll show you he's wrong. But he's right, it will be liberating. In the Old Testament, Abraham tithed before the law came. Abraham met Mephishtek. You remember that? What's it? I'm pronouncing it wrong. Mephishtek. Mephishtek. Why do they give us those hard names? I have no idea. But he comes back from deli uh, for delivering Lot, and he's with the kings of Sodom, uh, Sodom and he comes to Mephishtek, and he, he comes and gives Mephishtek a tithe of everything he receives. And we say right off the bat, tithing didn't begin with the law. Tithing began with faith. That's why we tithe. Jacob tithe. The children of Israel were commanded to tithe in the law, to bring tithes and offering. And the children of Israel knew every time they did it God's way, they were always blessed. They never lacked in any area of their life. Look at the scripture I want to look at in, in, in uh, Old Testament scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 31. Open up your Bibles, 2 Chronicles chapter 31. Now, I want you to hold your Bibles on your lap because we're going to go through a couple of scriptures today, whether it's on your iPhone, pad, or on, on the written word. And all I want to give you here is the foundation, the biblical foundation of why we give and the reason why God wants us to give with a certain thing, with a certain attitude. Next week, Pastor Steve will be back and he'll, talk, he'll be talking about giving to the poor and causes all over the world. But I want to lay a, a biblical foundation this, this afternoon because in the Old Testament, they were called to give and they had no problems giving and receiving, a giving of tithes and offering. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 31. Did I say chapter 2? Chapter 31. Someone's listening. Good. Second Chronicles Chapter 31, verse 5. Second Chronicles, chapter 31, verse 5. Go ahead, keep turning. We'll wait for you. Because the, I believe the most important thing is to, is to be able to get the word, find it in the word, go home and study it, and let the Holy Spirit confirm that word to your heart before you start practicing it. Lift your head up one minute. If the only reason why you do things in the kingdom of God is because someone tells you to do it, sooner or later you will stop doing it. Everything you do, everything you and I do in the kingdom of God, we need to be doing it because we're so in love with Jesus, we found it in the word, and so now we're going to be obedient to that word. Do you understand? And that's why it is important you bring your Bible, you bring your iPad, you bring it, so you find the word. Second Chronicles chapter, chapter 31, look at verse 5. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the products of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Drop your eyes down to verse 10, the middle of verse 10. 
Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty left for the house uh, for the Lord has blessed his people and what is left is this great abundance. Drop your eyes down to verse 12. Then they faithfully brought in offerings, the tithes, and the dedicated things. Lift your head up one minute. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were instructed, and they knew that every time they had a harvest, every time they had an abundance of anything, they would bring the tithe to the storehouse, which was the temple. In those times, it was agriculture. Everybody was doing agriculture. So they brought the barley, the wheat, the goats, the, the sheep, anything they had of 10% of whatever they had, they brought to the temple. Because we don't exchange um, our, our times in, I, I don't have chickens and you don't have goats. I don't give you some chicken. And you, we don't pay in goats and chicken anymore. We pay in money. That's why when it comes to tithing in the 21st century, we tithe our money. And the same thing that the children of Israel would bring, they, they would bring their 10% to the, to the church and they will present it to the church and they will bring their offerings to the church and as they are obedient to Christ, they will bless. Turn with me one more scripture in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. Go to Malachi, the last book of the Bible, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. We'll pick it up from verse 8. Book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 8. Come on, keep turning. We're here. No one's in a hurry. Let's read from verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. The children of Israel, Malachi was prophesying to the children of Israel, they were being cursed because they were not bringing their tithes and offerings to the temple. And then he challenges them in verse 10. He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be found food, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings that you will not be able, there will not be room enough to receive it. The children of Israel knew that as they did what God said, there were always, there was always enough provision. Always enough. And so in Old Testament giving, they knew, what, they knew exactly what they did. And so when we switch over to the New Testament and Jesus comes onto the scene, all of a sudden the pattern of giving changes. If you turn with me quickly to Matthew chapter 23, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23, and look at verse 23. Matthew 23 Verse 23. Verse 23. This is what is, and this is Jesus speaking. He, said, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I like Jesus. Don't you? No one could bluff or fluff around Jesus. Because as soon as he saw you fluffing, he called you who you were. And that one time he says, you are the devil, and you are the sons of the devil. I said, oh, my Jesus, he's so sweet. 
Verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay the tithe of mint and asna and whatever that is, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, justice, mercy and faith, without leaving the others undone tithing. He said, don't stop tithing. You're doing all right there. But the other things you should have added to it was mercy, justice and faith. So he doesn't talk down tithing and offering. He says, keep doing that, but also add all these other things. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene, all of a sudden when the, changing, the giving changes, because now what you give is important, but how you give it is even more important. Is even more important. So turn quickly, quickly with me to Matthew chapter 6. You're in, you're in 21. Go, to, go back to the gospel of Matthew chapter, 26, uh, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll start reading from verse 1. And so as you're turning there, let me just say this. If we're not giving biblically the way God wants us to give, all our giving is in vain. All our giving is in vain. You might as well keep it. Because there will be no supernatural things in, in your giving because we're not doing it the way God wants us to do it. And so when he comes in chapter 6 of Matthew, he starts to tell us that it's not just what you give, it's how you give. Is your heart in it? I was telling the other two services, I remember coming back, I remember being home in Africa and, and my father was a part of First Methodist. Good old First Methodist Church. And in, our, in my father's church, there, there were pews, pews, and, 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 and every family that, was, that gave huge amounts of money had a pew. And so on the front row, it would be on that side, on the front row of the pew, you would see, if you go there even now, you'll see the pew there, and on the side of the pew, there's an engravement, the Dennis family. I told you I came from royalty. The Dennis family. And even though the Dennises were going to hell, they still kept our pew just in case we came to church. And no one dare sit in the Dennis pew. We don't do that here. You, 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 you give thousands of dollars, you come late, we'll put you in the cafe. And if you come too late, we'll put you in the parking lot. Don't care how much you give. No respect to a person's. That's why no one comes up and says, well, I'm here. So what? <laughs> Get lost. But the attitude in which we give is huge when it comes to us in the 21st century. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, starting from verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. He says when you give in the church, when you give to wherever you're giving, don't show off. When you're writing your check, don't put the check way out here and then write $10,000 and people say, woo! Because all your reward is people telling you, thank you, that's all you're going to get. 
Don't show off. You're not doing anything um, that you shouldn't be doing. It's everything that is expected of you by God. He said, don't show off. Verse 2. Therefore, when you do your charitable giving, do not sound a trumpet before you, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that, you may have, that, you, that they may have glory that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, I say they have their reward. Verse 3, but when you do your charitable deeds, do, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deeds may be in secret, and the Father who sees in secret, lift your head up, the Father who sees in secret. Guys, listen to me carefully. The attitude of the heart is this. I don't want anybody else seeing what I'm doing because I don't want praise from a man. I want secret rewards from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, if, 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 if man is the reason, if man is the reason why you give, don't give. You know, I, I get sick and tired when I, I, I watching TV sometimes and, and the pastor will come up and say, ooh, I sense the presence of God. Mm, take out that $100 in your wallet. Mm, I just feel an anointing on it. And if you give this $100, it will multiply and it will expand and it will be... That's just foolishness. Absolutely ridiculous. Why? Why do you let people manipulate that? Because you don't know the word. You don't know the word. And then what happens is that you get ticked off with that preacher and then you stop giving at all. Whereby God has commanded us. He has given us a venue so that as we give, he can bring it back into our lives and expose us and expound us and show us magnificently before the people of this world so that they can turn around and say, look at their God. But a lot of us are walking in disobedience because someone manipulated them. So Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what you're... And that's, why Jesus, that's why as Christians, we are called to give. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together. Christians are naturally givers. It's in your DNA to be a giver. Why? Because the one that gives lives in you. And he naturally allows you to give. So the question we want to ask this morning is this, how should we give? Let me ask you a question. Is there, is there any faith in your giving? Is there an expectation of when you give? Is there any faith attached to your giving? Everything you do in the kingdom of God is significant. Every single thing that God tells us to do in the word is significant. There's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. Get the heart of it. Get the principles of it. And as you exercise it, you will see God explode in your life. So how should we give? 
Turn with me quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And I tell you guys, what I, I, le- I learned this, these principles when I was young, and, and I tell you, no one has been able to manipulate me since. And every time we give, we give joyfully. Because we know there's purpose behind our giving. And as soon as you get these principles and you start to understand that, that God does not want you to be manipulated, as soon as you get these principles in your heart, I remember being back home in Africa and we were going through the war and, and certain parts of the war, there would be a lull in the fighting. After eight years of civil war, there was a lull in the fighting and we got, we got the opportunity to go to church. And so I would take my tithe and back then my tithe was a dollar. And, and look behind you, brother, there's an offering envelope. Just hand me one. And I'll take the offering, I'll take my dollar, and I will put it in the offering when I got to church. And and, and, and I'll say, Father, I thank you that I'm able to bring my tithe. He said, Pastor, I was only a dollar. Listen to me carefully. It's not the amount. A dollar was my tithe. Because all I got in that probably that week or two weeks was $10. So I took out a dollar. I put it in the tithe. It doesn't matter. My tithe was one dollar. If someone's making a million dollars, their tithe is, what's 10% of a million? I don't work with that kind of money, so I don't have to worry about it. What's 10% of a million? A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand, yes? A hundred thousand. So someone who comes to church and brings their tithe, if their tithe is a dollar and the other person's tithe is a hundred thousand dollars, they have done the same thing. Oh, did you catch that? They've done the same thing. What have they done? They've been obedient to bring the tithe. If the person's tithe is, if the person's making a million dollars and his tithe is a hundred thousand and he only brings ten thousand, even though ten thousand is a lot, he's being disobedient. Because the Bible says, bring the whole tithe. And so I learned that. I learned that. My pastor, uh, uh, teachers back there will teach me. Henry, I would say to the pastor, Pastor, I only got a dollar. He said, Henry, is that your tithe? I said, yes. He said, put it in the envelope, lick it. And then he said, take your offering and put your hand on it. And he would pray over the offering. He said, Father, I thank you. I thank you that they brought their tithe to the church. I thank you that you will supply their needs. I thank you that when, you, when they need rain, you will give them rain. When they need rice, you will give them rice. When you need covering, they will give them covering. You see, you don't understand it. Back in the Civil War, everything broke apart. There was no electricity, no running water, no, no food all around. Every day we had to believe. We had to believe for the rain. So when the rain came, we would catch the rainwater in the buckets. And we used that water to cook. We used that water to bathe. When it rained, sometimes we'll be so happy we're running around naked. In the, no, no, no. Yes. We're running around. Take that memory. Get it out of your mind. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Get it out. But we would be so happy that it rained and God heard our prayer that we would gather the water. 
We would lay hands on the women and when they went out because the men couldn't go out because they were looking for young, young men to kill them. We would lay hands on the women and we'll say, Father, as they go, I thank you that you will provide rice for them. And they will come back and they will have a cup of rice and we will be dancing the hula hoops. Why? Because we've got a cup of rice. He met the need. And the pastor would say, lay your hand on it and believe God. And we would lay our hand on it. And it wasn't the amount that was in the envelope. The amount in the envelope was obedience. The faith that came on top of it was supernatural. You see, some of us, we can't comprehend that. Because in our minds, our check is the thing that we depend on. Listen to me carefully. If your check is your source, it's just a matter of time before you collapse. They taught us how God and Jesus was the source. And so we'll get to church and, and the pastor will say, it is offering time. And everybody will have their offering in their hand. And as soon as the pastor said it was offering time, we will jump. Woo! What was he doing? He was teaching us how to be joyful. Listen to me carefully. If you can't give your tithes and your offering in joy, don't give it. You say, Pastor, don't you pastors depend on our tithes and offering? Listen to me carefully. If I can survive in Africa, I can survive here. Do you understand me? You're not the source. If I have to wait for you, good riddance. But we learn from a very early age that God is our source. And the moment you learn it, the moment you learn that God is your source, listen to me carefully, no human being will ever be able to manipulate you again. And that's why I want to bring you this morning. I want to bring you to that place of faith where you can be able to say, God, I trust you. I tithe and give my offering because of you. So we bring our tithing, which is 10%, and then we bring our offerings. Offerings are anything above the tithe. But how we bring our offerings and our tithe into this storehouse is important. Because if you have the wrong attitude, you've wasted your time. Yes, you may be able to keep the lights on, but nothing supernatural will happen in your life. Because you think that God is more impressed with the mount when he really wants, the first thing he wants is your heart. So that if your tithe is a dollar or if your tithe is $100,000, in your mind, it doesn't matter. Why? Because all I'm doing is being obedient to a God that I love. And he's the object of my love. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start from verse 6. Man, this, these, these scriptures, guys, if, if there's anything you get tonight, this afternoon, I want you to get these scriptures and put them in your heart. And if you, and, and if you, don't, you don't agree, if you don't agree, I don't really care, but listen to me carefully. If you don't agree, just take the scriptures, go home, and meditate and study them. You sh in fact, look at me, one minute. You should not be doing anything that anybody says until you are convinced it's true. Do you understand? I have, no pro I have no problem about people not doing what I do. I really don't care. You know me already. 
Because why? It's your business. I know it's already operating in my heart. And I know it's already operating in my home. You have to choose. You have to decide. That's what I love about Christianity for. Nobody can be forced to do anything. The flip side of that is this. Don't be jealous when other people start to get results. Ah, I can't believe she's got a new car. What, what do you mean? Ah, she doesn't deserve that. Wait, ah, I didn't deserve. No, shut up. Mind your own business. You don't know what she did to get that car. You don't know what she cried and sacrificed and gave up to get a new car. That may be her first new car and she's 65 years old. Who are you to say? Mind your own business. But God is, a, is no respecter of persons. No respecter. But the Bible says those that diligently seek him, he will reward. So you decide. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 6. Man, I love this scripture. I, let me read it out of the Amplified. Let me get this out of the Amplified for you. Paul, Paul writing here, he says, verse 6 from the Amplified, following your Bible. He says, remember this. He starts off all by saying, remember this. Guys, if there's nothing else, remember this. We're answering the question, how should I give? So that I'm giving in line with the word, how should I give? Verse 6, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sowed generously, that, that blessings may come to someone else. Oh, did you grab that? He who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone else. That's the God kind of giving. See, we don't give to people who know we can bless us back. We don't give. Sometimes we're looking for people who we can bless, knowing full well they can't give us anything back. But in their life, it will be a blessing. As Christians, we are naturally givers. We, 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 we give, why? So that other people can be blessed. If you are more concerned about blessing other people, God will water you. But if you're selfish, self-centered, and tight, you get nothing. Is that clear enough? A Christian is a generous person. Some of you, your faith is in your bank statement. Your faith is in your 401ks and your house and, 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 your, and your bank. Listen carefully. There's nothing wrong with the 401ks. That's being responsible. There's nothing wrong with having a savings account. That's just being responsible. There's nothing wrong with putting something aside for a rainy day, as people say. That's being responsible. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you put your faith in that, that becomes your God. And when the market crashed a couple of years ago and people lost some of their 401ks and everything, some people lost their minds. Why? Because they forgot when the scripture says, my God will supply all your needs, they were saying, my 401k will supply all my needs. But when that ran out, verse 6, 
For remember this, that he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously, uh, that blessings may come to someone else, will also reap generously and with blessings. Point number one, how should we give? Give generously. Give generously. We're primarily talking about tithes and offering, but this could apply to any area of your life. As Christians, give generously. Why? Because we know who our source is. Give generously. Look at verse 8. Uh, not verse 8, sorry, verse 7. Let each one give as uh, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. Point number two, give purposefully. Notice what the word says. Verse 7, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. Lift your head up, look at me one minute. You need to make up your mind what you're going to give before you come to church. You're bringing your, you're bringing your tithe into the, into, the, into the church, but when you're bringing your offering, you need to go and pray the night before or, or the morning before and say, Father, I'm going to church tomorrow. What is it that you would want me to give in the offering? If you don't make up your mind before you get to church, some idiot of a pastor can manipulate you to give what you didn't plan to give. So when a pastor gets up here, and never, it probably won't happen here because Pastor Steve's careful who he lets the preach here. But if they were to get up here and say, well, I sense that that $20 bill in your pocket, if you just plant it today, it will magnify triple time and God will be glorified and Jesus will be Lord. Jesus will still be Lord if you don't give the $20. You just let the man manipulate you. And then you think, oh God, that must be God speaking through the man of God. Uh, where's my $20? I don't have $20. That means I condemn. That means that God, oh, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell because I can't put 20 more dollars in the plate. No, that's being pathetic. The Bible says purpose in your heart. Make up your mind. You do that before you get here. So that when you get here and you have your tithe and your offering, it's already licked up, it's already licked up, it's in your bag, and, and, and we say, okay, well, it's time for, 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 for the uh, tithe, uh, offering. You can just take out your offering. There's a smile on your face. No one has manipulated you. No one has tied this hand about your hand. No one has said you will be cursed of God and all these other things. But why? You've done all that before you got here, and so now you can give joyfully. Verse 7, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above all others, and is willing to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do giver whose heart is in the giving whose heart is in the giving. Listen to me carefully. Is there any faith attached to your giving? Let me ask you another question. 
in your give is your giving eternally driven after all the needs are met after you've been on the vacation after you do and you have a little extra are you using that to further the kingdom and as you sow your tithes and offering in the church, what happens? It goes to evangelism. It goes to discipleship. It goes to all these other things to bring people into the kingdom and get them saved and, and discipled and grown up in Christ. And all that you have a part in because of your giving. When we get to heaven, you're not taking a U-Haul of money with you. The only thing you're taking with you are the people that you help to influence for the kingdom of God. So we said, uh, give generously, give purposefully, and, 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 and we said, give cheerfully. Listen, be careful, I'll say it again. If you're not going to give cheerfully, don't give. Especially if you're a Christian. Especially if you're a Christian. Everything you do has significance. Everything God tells us has significance. And there's a reason for that, so that he can then turn around and be a blessing to you, so that you can go out and, be a, and show the glory of God to all the people around you, so that when people see you, they can be able to say, truly, their God is alive. Amen. Do you understand me? That's the attitude we go into. So point one, give generously. Point two, give purposefully. Point three, give cheerfully. The last point, give faithfully. Look at verse nine, uh, verse eight. Man, this is, this, is, this is the verse. This is the verse when I, heard, when I learned it back home, man. I started jumping. I started screaming. I started crying. I started doing all kinds of things. My nose were running. My eyes were all bloated up. And, and because what? I found the secret to the heart of God. I found the secret to the, house, house of God, uh, to the heart of God. And all of a sudden, my whole faith became focused like a laser on practicing verse 8. Let's read it. Verse 8. And God is able. <laughs> Lift your head on me. Lift your head and look at me. Who's able? God. Who's able? God. No, no, no. Say a little louder. Who's able? God. A little louder. Who's able? You, you know why I found out right there? And that verse, that verse, that verse, those three letters, you know why I found out first? God is able. You know what it tells me? It doesn't matter what we're going through on earth. It doesn't matter what trials you're going through, and we were going through it back then. God is able. What did I learn? God became my source. Yes, he would use human beings to be a blessing, but my source, my focus was on God. Was on God. And all of a sudden, I found out that if I keep my focus on God, if I keep my expectations on God, if I keep my faith and my heart and my belief and everything on God, he will supply. In that way, I never got ticked off with another human being. So if someone came up to me and said, Pastor, and when I was little, it wasn't Pastor. If someone came up to me and said, Henry, I'll give you $100 later on. All of my attitude would be, amen. Wouldn't be waiting for it. 
wouldn't be expecting it. I would never get, I would never get a, an attitude in my heart. How come he didn't give me $100? He promised to give me $100. I don't believe he didn't give me $100. I, I'm not going to talk to him anymore. I'm not going to He's a liar. He's a thief. He's all this. And all this stuff starts working in your heart. Why? Because he didn't give you $100. Because he then became your source. And you get angry with parents and angry with loved ones and angry with your kids when they get their jobs. They don't even turn around and give you a, a, a vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> After you raise them and carry them for nine months, they know how we're suffering. I know, I've met some of you. Some of you had children so that when you got old, you wouldn't have to go in a nursing home. You thought that when you got old, you can live with your kids. Your kids have other plans for you. You better believe in your source. And it better, it better not be your kids. Verse 8. Let me read it from my Bible. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Mm, did you get that? Let me read it again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That word grace means favor. When we do this thing the right way, the Bible says God is able to make sure that you find favor in every area of your life. I remember when I first came to the country and I, and I was going to immigration. I was going to immigration and I, and I walked up into Manhattan and I went into the big room. And, and you know, you, those have been there, there are thousands of people there. And I thought, oh God, I'm going to be here all day. And so I'm standing in the back of the line and all of a sudden I hear someone say, Pastor. I dropped my head down. Because I want to. And finally the lady came over to me and said, Pastor, it's so good to see you. Come on, you're not going to stand at the back of the line. I'm going to take you all the way. And I was so embarrassed. All these people have come before me. And she took me in front of all these people and took me to the head of the line and took me to a lady that was right at the counter. She said, this is my pastor. Whatever he needs, help him. What do we call that? Favor. Favor. Look what it says in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things. Oh, goodness me. Let's read that again. Come on, this, 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 look, look at me. This is how you take the word and you dissect it and you open it up and say, God, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And what does this mean? And how can I apply this to my life? Listen to what he says there in, in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, that you, that you, uh, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Lift your head out, look at me one minute. That's the abundant life. When you have all sufficiency in all things of your life. You see, some people are sufficient in money. And they think, wow, I got the abundant life. No, you don't. 
Because we know of thousands of people, hundreds of people who have all the money they want in, in, in this life and they shoot themselves in the head. We have people that are millionaires not too long ago, a couple of years back. Uh, one, one of these Hollywood directors had everything in the world, jumped off the bridge. But the abundant life is that, it, the abundant life is this. Every area of your life, you have sufficient Sufficient peace, sufficient joy, sufficient long-suffering, satisfied in your marriage, satisfied in your singlehood, satisfied at job, satisfied with your kids, satisfied with finances. Having all sufficiency in all areas of your life that there may be an abundance for every good work. What does that mean? We tear that out. Abundance. That means God wants to meet all sufficiency in every area of your life and give you a little extra so that you can go and be a blessing. That is what God is. That is God's best. God wants to be able to meet your need and give you some more so that you can go and be a blessing. Here's the problem with some Christians. God starts blessing them. And they like the, the parable that Jesus said. The guy got sold all this, this wealth and he wanted to build a bigger barn. He didn't understand the abundance for you, was you, for you to go and be a blessing. Every Christian should be a channel, a channel of blessing. When your channel blocks up on one end, he can't trust you. You say, Pastor, could that be the reason why God hasn't given me more than I have? Yes. Yes, because he can't trust you. Because when he starts blessing you, you put a U-Haul truck at the end. And instead of being a blessing with everybody else, you're trying to fill up that U-Haul. And God's saying, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together. That's for you. The running over part is for you to go be a blessing with it. So that his name is glorified. So how should we give? We give generously. We give purposefully. We give cheerfully. And we give faithfully. One scripture I, I, didn't, I didn't give in the, last, the other two services is the last scripture. Look, look at verse 10. Oh, this, this scripture, this scripture is, is, this is, I don't know man, but this, this is liberating for me. Look up verse 10. Look what, look what Paul says in verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, he is God, the sower is you. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seeds you have sown. L lift your head on one minute. This is, this is great agriculture principles. God is saying, I'm giving you enough food for yourself and then the extra seed I want you to go plant it and whatever you plant I will multiply most Christians don't trust God so when God gives them food and he gives them seed they eat the food and they eat the seed and then they say God where's my blessing you just ate it You just ate it. But God who supplies seed 
to the sower. Bless and supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Make sure that every time you come and give your offering and your tithes and you bless a ministry, make sure you're sowing good seed, faithful seeds, cheerful seeds, purposeful seeds, and you will never be manipulated again. I'm going to have the worship team make their way back up again. Listen to me. The, the, reason, the thing I love about Christianity is this. We get to teach it. You get to decide what you're going to do with it. But you'll never hear anyone from this platform manipulate you in your giving. That's why we had the offering before we taught. Now, some places, they will wait and have the offering now while you're all charged up. That would be manipulation. No, we give, I give you the teaching now. You have a whole week to go forget it. You can say, Pastor, I forgot what you said last week. That's your business. I know what I'm walking in. You have to decide what you want to walk in. But I learned these principles early. Learned them early. And from that day to this day, Giving has been no problem for me. Because all I've done is give my tithe of what I have. You see, here's, here's the miracle thing about it. The rest of the world needs 100% of what they get as salary to live on and still they don't have enough. The Christian gives 10% to the Lord and lives off 90% and not only does he have enough, he has enough to give away to be a blessing. That's a miracle. But that's exactly how God wanted us to live. Miracle lives. So that the rest of the world will look at us and say, Wow, look at their God. We should be able to do more with 90% than the rest of the world can do with 100%. Why? We have the God factor. So the question I'm going to ask you today is this. Do you trust Him? Because listen to me carefully, the only people that can do this and live like this are people who know and have faith in God. If you've never seen God operate like this, this will just be a message. You, 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 the enemy will whisper in your ear, ah, uh, don't listen to him. Just another pastor talking about money. And you know how all those pastors are. Just go and look on television. I hear there's a new program, uh, uh, pastors from LA or something, something dumb. And they're flirting their riches over and just making people more ticked off. So you can watch those idiots and make your mind up based on those idiots. Or you can say, no, I found it in the word. And I know it's true. Because listen to me carefully, when you get to heaven, you can't blame all the bad examples. Because God will say to you, didn't you have pastors in your church? Didn't they teach you the word? What's your excuse? Why don't we stand to our feet this morning, this afternoon?
I so appreciate have, have, being able to teach this because I, I was looking forward to teaching this. I really was. And the reason why I was looking forward to teaching it is because there's no hype. There's no pressure. You see, you, you'll be able to leave in a few minutes after we, 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 we sing a worship song. But we're going to sing a song this morning just so that the Spirit of the Lord can just start to cement what was said this morning in your heart. And if there's still some doubts there, that's fine. Pick up the phone, call us, say, Pastor, hey, can I have a sit down with you and talk to you a little bit? Or, or go home this week and just pull up all the scriptures and start studying it and say, God, was what he said on Sunday, was it biblical? Did it line up? Is it true? And do you want me to be practicing it? But the choice is yours. That's why I love this for the choice is yours my prayer this morning is that you will walk in the fullness of God that your heart will be given to Christ so that whatever he asks you to do nothing will be too big no sacrifice will be too much of a struggle and my main prayer is that as you start to walk in this God will supernaturally start to do things in your life that you will know without a shadow of a doubt no man manipulated it no one orchestrated it it was all God and the moment you do something and you see God work it out and you know you didn't manipulate it and God was the one that did it your life will never be the same again and that can only come when you walk walk this thing out with God for yourself now if you're too lazy and say, Pastor, I don't have time for all this thing. Fine. But remember one thing. The Bible promises us that the storms of life will come. And the storm will hit the house on the rock and the house on the sand. The only thing that made the house on the rock stand and the house on the sand collapse was the foundation. If your foundation is not absolutely surrendered and obedient to Christ, when the storm comes, it will crush you. But if you're solid and your life and your Christian walk is based on the word of God and the truth of God, no matter what comes down the pipe, you will stand. Not only will you stand, you will be a shelter for others to come to you so Pastor Josh is gonna sing a song and I don't know about you but I appreciate this worship team you know I really do I really do I, I tell you I, 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 I tell you they, they are they are they are men and women of God that are dedicated to their calling whether you're here or not, they'll still be worshiping. They would worship to an empty building. Do you understand? They would worship to an empty building. So, let's take this worship song. Let it marinate this word in our hearts. And then we'll come back. We'll dismiss you. And then you go home and do what you please. Pastor Josh.